Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is May 8th, 2019. It's a Wednesday, right? And so May 8th. Hmm. Is it today? Is it tomorrow? Oh, gosh, I'm hoping it's tomorrow morning. So that way he may or may not uh, be live at Anderson Cooper, but I think they're pre-taping anyway. Comey's indictment is looming. We have so much to talk about today. How the New York Times tried to take a stab at the president when in actual fact, um, they kind of made the case as to why he's the right man for the job. Uh, We have Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. I told you last week there is China collusion and it's coming to the forefront. We have Pompeo who left his meeting with Merkel to do what? Suddenly turn up in Baghdad, very coincidental, after his meeting with Lavrov in Finland. We have so much to talk about, but I think we should start with Nadler. What is wrong with Nadler? Nadler is completely insane. I want you guys to understand that his opening statement was what did it for me. His opening statement said it all. His opening statement uh, after he took the vote when he shouldn't have. Because the letter that was sent to him, which we'll go over, was pretty much explanatory. You should not hold a vote. Take a listen. A subpoena issued by this committee. This is not a step we take lightly. It is the culmination of nearly three months of requests, discussions, and negotiations with the Department of Justice with a complete unredacted report by Special Counsel Mueller into Russian interference in the 2016 election, along with the underlying evidence. I appreciate the fact that the Department responded to the offer we made to them last week and met with us yesterday in a last-minute effort to reach an accommodation. We heard the Department out. We responded to them in good faith. And after all was said and done, we unfortunately were still unable to reach agreement, and we proceeded with our markup today. As I've said before, we remain ready and willing to consider any reasonable offer made by the Department even after today's vote. But if a letter I received late last night from the Department is any indication, I am concerned that the Department is heading in the wrong direction. In response to our latest good faith offer, the Department abruptly announced that if we move forward today, it would ask President Trump to invoke what it refers to as a protective assertion of executive privilege on all of the materials subject to our subpoena. Just minutes ago, it took that dramatic step. Besides misapplying the doctrine of executive privilege, since the White House waived these privileges long ago, and the Department seemed open to sharing these materials with us just yesterday, 
This decision represents a clear escalation in the Trump administration's blanket defiance of Congress' constitutionally mandated duties. I hope that the Department will think better of this last-minute outburst and return to negotiations. As a co-equal branch of government, we must have access to the materials that we need to fulfill our constitutional responsibilities in a manner consistent with past precedent. Hold on. How is how is it that they need all pending investigations, testimony, grand jury information to legislate? Because Nadler's job is to legislate, to oversee legislation, to approve legislation, to approve budget. His job is not trade talks. It's not being a judge. It's not being an investigator. It is to oversee the actions in the executive I am shocked. When are these people actually going to do their job? And what Nadler requested was that Attorney General Barr not uphold federal laws so that they can see what's there. Why? Well, we'll get to that. But take a listen to how he closes. This is information we are legally entitled to receive and we are constitutionally obligated to review. And I would remind the members that the Mueller report is no ordinary run-of-the-mill document. It details significant misconduct involving the president, including his campaign's willingness and eagerness to accept help from a hostile... Did you hear that? It says, he says that there is information in there that the president was asking from a hostile member to help him in the election. It says that there is criminal conduct. What do we do with Nadler, guys? We need to remove this guy. If anything, he needs a 72-hour hold. This is pure insanity. Pure insanity. I mean, how does he even say this stuff with a straight face? And he also says that his subpoena was valid. He made that first statement when he started, and he said, I'll start with my opening statement. The Attorney General Barr decided not to comply with a valid subpoena. How is it valid if it forces the Department of Justice, the Attorney General, to dismiss all other laws to appease you. You didn't even put together a valid subpoena. Your subpoena is invalid based on law. What are you talking about? So take a listen to the more stuff he says. So he's pandering this Russia collusion, this obstruction, this, oh my gosh, there's criminal stuff in here with Trump working with Russia. But, you know, China collusion. We'll talk about that in the second half hour foreign government, numerous misstatements, if not outright lies concerning these act, those acts, and 11 separate incidents of obstructive behavior by the president that more than 700 former prosecutors have told us warrant criminal indictment. If Congress is not entitled to the full unredacted Mueller report, one must wonder what document we would be entitled to. Our exhaustive negotiations with the Department of Justice have unfortunately left us back where we began with unprecedented obstruction by an administration that has now announced its intention to block all attempts at congressional oversight of the executive branch. It is our constitutional duty to respond. Let me be clear. The information we, request, we are requesting is entirely within our legal rights to receive and is no different than, from what has been provided to Congress on numerous occasions going back nearly a century. But we do not need to go back that far to find the precedent. As recently as the last Congress, under Republican control, the Department produced more than 880,000 pages of sensitive investigative materials pertaining to its investigation of Hillary Clinton 
as well as voluminous other material relating to the Russian investigation and other ongoing investigations. That production included highly classified material, notes from FBI interviews, internal text messages, and law enforcement memoranda. With respect to grand jury information, in past cases involving allegations of presidential misconduct or misconduct by other high-ranking public officials, the Department of Justice, as a matter of course, has sought the permission of a court to release relevant information to Congress, if not to the public. Notably, this includes several cases that were not impeachment inquiries, including the investigation into former Agriculture Secretary Mike Espy and the Iran-Contra investigations, as well as other investigations that were not governed by the independent counsel law. But no matter the fact that the law and history clearly support the release to Congress of this kind of information, the Trump administration has taken obstruction of Congress to new heights. Unfortunately, the Attorney General has been all too willing to support the President in this endeavor. I would also like to respond to two of the concerns often raised by my good friend, the Ranking Member. He asks, how can the Committee hold the Attorney General in contempt for merely complying with the laws on the books? And how can we hold him in contempt when I have refused an offer to allow me to see certain redacted portions of the report? The answers are simple. First, we issued a valid subpoena for the full report and all of the underlying evidence. The Department has come nowhere close to satisfying its obligations under that subpoena. The Department has never cited the legal basis for withholding the underlying evidence, including last night's threat to invoke executive privilege, which was utterly without credibility, merit, or legal or factual basis. Okay, so I'm going to stop one second there. So if you hear what he's saying is... He's like, oh, they don't have a legal basis. Uh, yeah, they do. They pretty much said there are ongoing grand jury hearings and their ongoing investigations. We will not breach those laws and provide that information to you. That is spelling it out. How, who writes this stuff he's reading and who has the audacity to say something like this and what American citizen can sit there and listen to it and say, yeah, he's right. A grand jury hearing and who's subject to it and what's being discussed and what investigations you're doing and what secret subpoenas you're writing or what is going on. We have the right to know and forget the laws. We trump the law. No, you don't. You cannot ask him to break 10 laws to satisfy you. You didn't even bother going to the skiff. You didn't even let people go to the skiff. And the attorney general let you take notes and discuss within a secure environment. You didn't like that. You didn't want no names. You didn't want who's who's gotten arrested because you want to know, okay, Comey's been indicted. Brennan has been indicted. What about members of Congress? What about members of Senate? Today, you're going to know that there's seven angry rhinos that are tied into this Mueller report. All of them within the orbit of McCain. You've seen them in pictures. They've dealt with him in Syria. We can keep going and going and going. And also, in regards to General Flynn, where did you guys come up with this stuff? How did it happen? Did you speak with the Russian officials you pushed on to General Flynn? Who was it that stated that? Why was exculpatory evidence from the NSA withheld that he was activated all this is going to be discussed today because what they're doing right now is so disgusting this is something you would see in like you know an underdeveloped country where you know they kill their adversaries if they had their way they would kill all of us
Instead, they want to, what is it? How did Pelosi say it? Public sentiment. That's right. They want to recondition us to think their way. That's what they're trying to do. And the more they repeat something, the more it's true. But the thing is, that's not the way facts work. And even though Barr is old guard, he cannot break the law. He's going by the book. So they're pushing on their buddy Barr, and he can't because it's violating laws. And he will not. He's a stifler for the law. He will do everything he can within the law to obfuscate, mitigate, eliminate, and just keep the peace. So that way he's there so he can put in the remaining old guard groomed. But keep in mind, they're getting antsy. Why? Because a lot of them are going down. All of them are going down. The leaks, down. The party, down. The people will know what you did. The people voted for that man, and they will keep voting for that man. The fact that you started a counterintelligence operation on a man based on circumstantial, if any, manufactured evidence. You didn't see him talking. You didn't see him say this and that. China collusion is where Joe Biden now on campaign is talking with the Chinese. Or could it be his son? Hmm. Food for thought. Hillary Clinton. Obama. Who's the one talking? Who's the one doing the talking? This is where we get FISA warrants. This is where we can investigate because there is a bona fide threat. The fact that the president tweeted out this morning that China was holding back because they were hoping for Biden means what? That there is intelligence out there stating that Biden's campaign has reached out to China. Now, if that's the case and the Chinese have fessed up, (laughs) it seems like more people are going to be going to jail soon because that indeed is foreign collusion. That is collusion. That is asking for a country to assist you, fund you, promote you, sock puppet you so that you can get elected. Trump was never promoted by any foreign government. Why? Because they didn't know what to expect with him. He is unexpected. He does not do anything by the book. Even his people that dislike him completely, that don't like him at all, that detest him, cannot refute that he is the best negotiator out there, the best salesperson. Now listen to his closing babble. As is, of course, the assertion of or the statement that they will assert executive privilege by the White House this morning. To the extent that we have asked for access to grand jury information, which is protected by federal law, all we have ever asked is that the department join us in petitioning the court to determine if it is proper for us to have access to this material. The department, as I said, has done this on many occasions in the past. We ask for a commitment to join us in that effort again last night, as it has done in many previous cases, and the department refused. Second, with respect to the offer to limit, to lift some of the redactions for me and a handful of my colleagues, the department has placed unacceptable limitations on access to that information. Their offer would block the members of this committee from reading those sections of the report for themselves. It would require me to leave my notes behind at the Department of Justice. It would prevent me from speaking with my colleagues, with other members of the committee, about what I might see. What good is it? 
of what use can this committee make of information that I have but can't discuss. Uh, hello, that's why it's called sealed indictments. That's why it's called grand jury. Like I said, it's going to be any day now that Comey's case will be transferred to the district, the Eastern District of Virginia, and we will have that come out. They are in full panic mode, full panic mode, because it's coming. Sealed indictments have been coming in like nobody's business to the East Coast from Central United States, from the sort of West Midwest states. <laughs> it's all coming down and they want to get ahead of it and they can't. So instead, they have people like Comey going around and talking about what a hero he is for leaking. How his buddy at Columbia University and the New York Times and these leaks were necessary for democracy. I didn't hear them saying that about Snowden. When Snowden told us how they're monitoring us 24-7, he was considered a traitor. Yet someone that is FBI director that spies on citizens and leaks information to what? For political warfare? Dude, you're done. You are super done. Because you can't sit there and pander. Did you guys all hear Comey yesterday? Did you did you watch it? Because we're going to play a few of those clips. We're going to play a few of those clips so that way people can understand just how stressful he is. But we're, we're going to do that later. We'll do that later in the show. For now, what we need to know is the reason they're so adamant. They're so freaking out. Because they need these documents. And he's so pissed. Because guess what? He can't share those documents. He can't talk about the notes. He can't share the notes. The DOJ gets to keep his notes. What's the point if I can't tell the media? What's the point if I don't create content for the mainstream media? Because lately, the Democrats in the House, their job is what? Mitigating their circumstances, trying to find new ways to overthrow a duly elected president, and create contact. They need to create content for failing CNN, who's dropped 30% in ratings, has sold out around the world. They don't own CNN anymore. They're kind of cheap licensing the name so they save face, but somebody else owns their operations. And in exchange, they get to own content from the United States with no charge. They are so broke that they're buying out big contracts Voluntarily, of course. And they're so pissed that our president retweeted who? Infowars. Who else? All these other people that aren't CNN. Because guess what, Brian Settler? You're going to be in the unemployment line soon. Along with NBC. Don't worry. They're not far behind. I give them up to 2021. Maybe. Because they will collapse too. See, the one thing about Disney being so thrifty, AT&T, they cut the fat. And you've got a lot of fat and a lot of debt and not a lot of sponsors. Nobody want to put, nobody wants to put their name on CNN. You are ridiculous. Nobody watches you. Nobody cares. You're done. So you can have the House members now pander to you and, you know, talk you up and give you talking points. But that's all going to end. Like, you've got Comey going on Anderson Cooper. Like, who cares? It's going to be more for comedic relief than anything for information. It's for us to watch him sweat while we eat popcorn and say, hey, how does it feel? You've been doing this pony show since 2000. You and Mueller together during the Bush administration too. 
passing the torch on to each other, working together, colluding. How's it feel? How's it feel that you file charges against someone for supposedly omitting information and now you're going down for leaking? You're going down for mishandling classified information. Oh, let me guess. Your friends don't count. Mm-hmm. So Nadler is mitigating. Nadler is just insane. He's lost all credibility. The Judiciary Committee is nothing. It means nothing. Before, when you would hear something is being discussed in the Judiciary Committee, you'd be like, ooh, bell's on. This will be interesting. Let's see what our legislators have to say. Now, it's a pony show. It's BS. It's a circus. We've got ugly clowns. One of them, at least today, had his eyebrow taped correctly. (laughs) sitting there and doing everything but legislating, saying that they're entitled to all this information. Why are you entitled to explain? Because where's your need to know? That is what needs to be. Where is your need to know? That's the big deal. Now, what people need to understand is that going forward, okay, um, there is no up for them anymore. They're drowning faster than anything, the Democratic Party. They are drowning, and hopefully we can get on top of the censorship because the censorship is hindering the ability for information to be disseminated correctly, for people to have access to that information because, you know, they're tagging it with legislation and censorship. Right now, there's tons of mainstream media. It's kind of like they've got the megaphones and then it's me, you, and everybody else on conservative media, alternative conservative media that are using their mouth. We don't have a megaphone. They do. They can drown our noise out. Coupled with the censorship, it's pretty much we've, <laughs> we can only talk to the wall, our neighbors, and our friends. It's imperative that we get on top of the censorship. Because they will spin this as they want. I mean, right now in the mainstream media, they're not talking about how Barr refused to break a barrage of laws to satisfy Nadler, who, by the way, didn't even look at things and says, well, I didn't have to look at it because I can't talk about it with people, can't share that information. No diddly squat, Sherlock. No shift, Sherlock. Right? You're not supposed to talk about sealed indictments. You know, when I've testified myself at a grand jury hearing where I was a witness and I was subpoenaed to go, I'll tell you what, you can't even talk about if you were subpoenaed, how you were subpoenaed, and for whom. So having been part of that process, you should know that too, since you sit on the Judiciary Committee, that you can't talk about things that are undergoing grand jury hearings. And you know you can't talk about ongoing investigations. So how is it again that he violated, what did, what did he call it? A valid, valid in what universe again? Makes absolutely no sense. Now, when we get back from this break, I want to talk a little bit about General Flynn. General Flynn was targeted by the Obama administration. And I can tell you the day that I watched him being forced resign. I had the biggest lump in my throat while I watched Clapper and Brennan sit in the front, joyously watching him being removed. But people of Flynn's caliber and many others are assets, and they get activated by intelligence community elements that you don't even know exist. If you've ever worked in any capacity, I mean, I could have too, right? They call you. And they activate. No one knows who you are. You are a ghost. 
So Flynn, obviously, there's paper trail at the NSA. Whoops, that sounds like exculpatory evidence that was omitted during Flynn's trial. On top of that, falsified 302s means the case will be dismissed even though he pled. The only reason he pled was because he was in the box. How do you plead against 10 corrupt, and at the time they weren't verified that they were corrupt, FBI agents, FBI directors, deputy directors, that they've falsified 302s when they've got 20 years in, 10 years in, 30 years in. You can't. How's the jury going to say, well, all of them are lying and you're not? Kind of sounds fishy. Why didn't you say this? What is he supposed to say? Well, you know, by the way, I was working for the NSA. Can't say that either. Because you're not allowed to. So as a civilian, he did a little bit of work, right? And that was omitted. Maybe they didn't have access to it, but it's in the Mueller report. Because, you know, General Flynn testified, and like Mueller said, he was very cooperative. But Mueller didn't sit there and say, whoa, we've got exculpatory evidence. Maybe we don't want him being tried. We drop all charges, everything. Judge Ellis, no, he didn't. He kept it going. But they pushed the sentencing for March like I said they would. I said that in the winter. I said in March it'll be pushed back. And it's being pushed back to July. Why? Sculptory evidence is now there. That will be pulled. There will be no clearing for Flynn. It'll be they set him up. It was false. He pled because he was in a box. That's the only thing you do. Do you allow them to further destroy you and your family? Or do you just plead and say, you know what? I'm stuck. I have no option. Well, you say I'm stuck, I have no option, but you hope for the best. And here's where the best came out. The truth comes. Because only through wounds can light shine through. The wound is the entry point of light. And he was wounded, and the light is now coming in. I'll see you all in a bit. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800-961-9194, promo code REDSTATE. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So just to continue, we were talking about the insane Judiciary Committee and what they're doing. And think about it for a second. You just have to think about it. What is more dangerous today in 2019, a deranged Democrat or a rhino? Because there are seven angry rhinos in that Mueller report, according to my sources, some having very close ties with McCain. And still, within our elected seats, and we're talking Senate right now, okay? We're not talking House. We're talking Senate. Some even took pictures with the majority of these clowns that partake in these circus with, you know— John McCain, who's six feet under right now, and there's many of them still walking and talking like that walking relic, Biden. Soon they will get a nonstop direct flight chartered by Miami Air. Did you know that Miami Air actually has a federal contract? Yes, they indeed were awarded a federal contract. Miami Air. Yes, they did. And guess what? Their contract is that they are the preferred vendor for nonstop flights from Gitmo to Jacksonville, Florida. Just making that point because there's a lot of reservations in coach, right on the wing, the crappiest seat possible for all of these clowns. Now, let's continue about, um, let's just talk a little bit more about what Nadler did, because I want us to hear um, the ranking member of the judiciary right now. He is His opening perfect. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Collins is amazing. Um, Mr. Chairman, this... And to the folks watching here, this slog continues. Last week, I urged you and my fellow members of the Judiciary Committee Democrats to respect the histories and traditions of this committee and conduct its business accordingly. We still have a crisis on our southern border. China is stealing our intellectual property. Yet here we are, wasting another valuable week of legislating calendar against the majority's war against the administration. Today, we are meeting to consider a resolution to hold Attorney General Bill Barr in contempt of Congress. So let's take just a few moments and go through this. 
What is the justification for holding Attorney General Barr in contempt of Congress? Perhaps that he failed to abide by the special counsel regulations? No. He went above and beyond what the regulations required by transmitting the full report to Congress with limited redactions. Could it be that the Attorney General failed to accommodate the chairman's demand for information? No. He offered to let the chairman and five other Democrat leaders review the less redacted report at at the Department of Justice, including a 99.9% unredacted volume on obstruction. In an odd move for anyone demanding access to information, the chairman and the other elected Democrats given access have declined to view that report. The Attorney General also volunteered to testify before this committee about the report's conclusions and his role in sharing the report. And as we all witnessed, the Democratic gamesmanship forced the Attorney General to forego the scheduled hearing last week. On Monday, the Justice Department offered to meet to discuss accommodations. Yesterday, they made a reasonable offer to avert this spectacle, and once again, they were rebuffed and the chairman declined. Perhaps then the Democrats believe that there has been an unreasonable delay in the Justice Department's response to their subpoena. No, that's not true either. In fact, the chairman is moving to this contempt resolution at lightning speed. It has been less than 20 days since the chairman, Nadler, subpoenaed documents from the Justice Department. When the Oversight Committee held Attorney General Eric Holder in contempt, more than 250 days had passed between the subpoena and the committee's vote to hold him in contempt. More than 450 days passed between the committee's initial request to the Justice Department and the committee's contempt vote. Judiciary Democrats are moving more than 10 times faster than oversight did with Holder. They have moved from request to contempt vote in only 43 days. And yet the Justice Department is still at the negotiating table waiting for the Democrats to arrive in good faith. Okay, so I'm going to stop it right there because we already know they're insane and they lost. And here's where we're winning big. So our president invoked the executive privilege over the entirety of the special counsel Mueller final report in the Russia investigation. That actually includes all underlying evidence, every single piece of it. On top of that, this privilege covers any other materials related to the Russia probe that have been subpoenaed by Congress so far. So every other subpoena that they've put has now been blocked. I mean, you could say that maybe Nadler's on our side. Because no way that he is working for the Democrats by giving us the opportunity to use the protective assertion. I mean, think about it. Either he has to be completely insane, thus, thus he is not what? In his full faculties to execute his role. He should be removed if he really thought that he could hold the AG in contempt without repercussions. Think about it, because the, this protective assertion of executive privilege ensures that the president has the ability to make any final decision, whether to assert the privilege, you know, or not, said the assistant attorney general in his letter. Well, the president decided. So he also invoked the privilege on every single piece of evidence, material, testimony, video, recording, pictures, letters, subpoenas, grand juries, indictments, the whole nine yards are now sealed and Congress can't touch them. So they had, you know, negotiations going. And like Colin said, for other AGs, they waited 450 days before they demanded further action. Here, they did it in 43 days while they had a great repertoire with the AG.
So the AG's office was coming back saying, let's work with you. Let's give you this. You could do this. I mean, the problem that Nadler had wasn't that he wasn't getting access to the information he wanted. The problem was he couldn't give it to the press. He couldn't talk about it, couldn't share it with Pelosi and all the other crazy deranged people. And on top of that, would you really want people like Ilhan Omar getting their hands on sensitive, you know, foreign intelligence? Seriously, never, ever, ever, ever. She is a jihadi in disguise. Now let's move along to Comey a little bit. I really want to talk about him. Um, but wait. Before we get there, yesterday, if you did not hear my live radio show, you must go and find my uh, my uploaded shows that I do as a podcast, either on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, whatever, that you subscribe to for podcasts, find Tori Says Show and listen to it because HR1 is coming back up. And like the fact that they were trying to subpoena documents in order to stymie investigation, you know, stymie, I would say, stymie the ability for the president to be president, to give more content, uh, to perpetuate this Russia collusion, delusion, conspiracy theory that they're all peddling, that Nadler repeddled and revalidated and said, so many people told us that there's criminal activity in there. Nobody told you, because if they did, they're in a lot of trouble. Why don't you start dropping names? Like, who told you that they saw information like that? So here's the deal. Right. They tried to create content to create turmoil because of 2020. The more you make him look bad, the more you think you have chances of winning. That's not going to work. That's number one. Their next plan of attack, aside from dragging the president through the mud like Ilhan Omar saying, no more Muslim ban. Dude, there is not going to be a legislation saying no Muslim is banned. They will be banned. If they are Muslim, Christian, Jews, whatever they are, and they're coming from a country that we will not allow people to enter from, they're not coming. She can do cartwheels. She can hold her breath until she pops. There is no way on earth that she is going to dictate our ability to regulate immigration. I mean, this is coming from who? A representative of a district that has the highest number of ISIS recruits. She is the representative of terrorists, like for real, like legit. This is what the statistics say. End of story. Don't like it? Turn me off. Bottom line is that's the truth. And she needs to be removed. I'm really hoping Larry Clayman's um, letter uh, to the Department of Homeland Security has grabbed some weight and that we are getting somewhere on stripping her from her U.S. citizenship that she did not qualify for because she did not actually have refugee status when she applied for refuge. She was not a refugee anymore. She was in Kenya. She had sought refuge there. Why did she seek refuge here from Kenya when she was already established for four years there? Um, so I digress. HR1 is their next plan. If they create legislation where they can control the elections, where they can say who, what, redraw congressional and Senate lines, where they can oversee all people voting, they can take your money to fund their elections, then they can win because they can fix the elections. In the meantime, we have Biden and Hillary asking for election help and hacking. But I say we just go back to paper ballots and have your neighbor check your ballot. No federal observations. I think that's pretty good. So that's coming. But another thing is we need to remember 
Mm-hmm. HR1, censorship, censorship and peddling collusion theories. I mean, we're Stormy Daniels. She's not even coming around on the rotation anymore. She used to be rotated every now and then when they ran out of stuff to talk about. But so censorship, you know, we have them censoring us off social media platforms, uh, you know, using GoDaddy and uh, ICANN to demote websites, to censor them, to consider them spam. But we have to remember that these seven angry rhinos that I've been talking about in the Senate, they should be coming up to the surface now because this Khashoggi thing that happened, mm-hmm. It's being, uh, I hear that there's chatter in D.C. about this. And who's chatting about it and about what? This is something very interesting. We should all just kind of revisit a little bit this whole Khashoggi thing and how it happened to influence our foreign relations. We also have to couple that with what happened in Europe while Pompeo was there and how he popped out to Baghdad right quick. So what we have to do is just focus on the little details. That's all. Focus on the details and then focus on our triumphs. Kind of like what President Trump announced today that GM uh, is going to be selling their, you know, big, huge electric trucks and they'll be spending $700 million in the state of Ohio. That is insane. That creates another, what, 450 jobs. And, um, you know, this is hard work. That the governor of Ohio and the senator, um, Senator Portman, work to get this done. All our car companies are coming back to the U.S. And you know what? U.S. cars are so expensive overseas. Do you know that? Do you know how they tariff our products? I remember when I was in London, I was looking to buy a car. And, you know, in the end, I got a Vauxhall, um, which is a British version of Renault, isn't it? No, Citroën is. Shoot. Yeah, Citroën. Um, So Vauxhall is the Citroën version, or is it vice versa? Gosh darn it. Anyway, I got a Vauxhall because it was cheaper. Because even though I spent, you know, so much money on that car, I spent um, 30,000 pounds on that car, uh, I could have, you know, that's like $40,000, right? I could have bought myself a Cadillac. But the uh, used Cadillac, used Cadillac, because I like American, I always try to buy American, the used Cadillac that in the United States went for something like 22000 in England was upwards of, you know, 60, 65,000 pounds. That's close to $70,000. That's because of the tariffs and they make them more expensive. You can't import American cars. Besides, anyway, American cars are huge. I couldn't even fathom driving around central London in an American car. It's just way too big, way too big to fit down the streets. I mean, I had, I had a Vauxhall and a smart car. In my life, I've owned two smart cars. Um, one that was a soft top because I wanted a two-seater uh, keychain car and one that was a hard top. Anyway, so I want to talk about Comey, okay? I really want to talk about Comey and talk about how he is sweating. But in order to do that, we need to listen to James Comey on CBS. Take a listen. And as special counsel... James Comey is with us for his first television interview since the Mueller report was released to the public. His memoir, A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership, has just come out in paperwork, but paperback, rather. James Comey, good morning. Good to have you here. Good to be with you. I'm really interested to hear your take on the, the Mueller report. 
We saw that the special counsel in that report detailed 10 instances of possible obstruction of justice by the president. Why do you think the special counsel ultimately decided not to charge him with obstruction of justice? I think because he was trying to be both principled and fair. He was trying to abide the Department of Justice ruling that says you can't indict a sitting president and reasoned that if I can't indict a sitting president, I ought not to accuse him of a crime because that wouldn't be fair. Given that I can't clear him, I'll just lay out the evidence for a future prosecutor and for Congress. But one of the things you said in your book is that you believe your firing was potentially obstruction of justice and the special counsel didn't go that far. Right. He just collected the evidence, which if you read it, and I hope folks will actually read it, is deeply concerning. But he decided not to make the call because he thought that wouldn't be a fair thing to do. So I'll just compile it all. And what he compiled is really concerning, especially when you look at the 10 episodes together. One of the things the attorney general points to in those 10 episodes is that there was kind of an initiating event that put the president's mindset in, uh, since intent is important. The president thought, they're, they're, this is going to mess up my administration. And one of the things Barr focused on was your reluctance to tell the public that the president was not actually under investigation. The president... Not having you not tell the public felt like, oh, my gosh, this, this is all stacked against me. And that that was kind of the initiating thing that made him so paranoid. Yeah, I, I heard the attorney general say that. And I don't think it's a fair summary of the evidence. The evidence that may be his motive. But a whole lot of people commit crimes in this country because they're frustrated and they're angry. That isn't the question. The question is, when he did the things he did, was he intending to obstruct justice? He may have a motive to push something away that embarrasses him or irritates him. That's actually not the key question. Have you been surprised by Bill Barr's <clears throat> summary letter? Yes. What surprised you? That it struck me, especially after I read the Mueller report, as misleading. I'm not suggesting it was intentionally misleading, but it was inadequate to summarize that work. What was misleading about what the attorney general said? Well, it certainly gave the impression that Bob Mueller had decided that he was not going to rule on this question of obstruction of justice, when that's not what Mueller did. Mueller laid it out and signaled to a future prosecutor, after this individual is out of office, you ought to take a serious look at charging him. You know, the Republicans have said, case closed, <clears throat> time to move on here. Do, you think that, do they have a point? Well, I think they have a point in the sense that the American people now have a clear view of how the president acted. Read the report. Yeah. If you didn't have a clear enough view of Donald Trump's character and the way he approaches this office, you now do. It's time to move on to the most important thing we do, which is vote to decide who should represent us as president of the United States. The attorney general says he believes spying occurred in looking after the president's uh, then campaign. What do you think about that? Yeah, I have no idea what he's talking about. The FBI doesn't spy. The FBI investigates. We investigated a very serious allegation. Okay, so let me just stop right there. So he said his piece. He was, you guys should see him. He looks really greasy. He looks like, you know, the clothes were picked out for him. He doesn't look put together at all. He looks like maybe he's in prison and he's wearing like an outfit just to be in public. Like he looks really bad. Um, so CBS this morning actually published this video a few hours ago and you can see it yourself. Now, on that note, before I continue so you can hear what Comey has to say, you have to remember that what he's about to tell you is pretty, pretty easy. Just listen. That Americans might be hooked up with the Russian effort to attack our democracy. The Republicans need to breathe into a paper bag. If, if we had confronted the same facts with a different candidate, say a Democrat candidate, where one of their advisors was talking to a foreign adversary's representative, 
about that adversary's interference in our election, they would be screaming for the FBI to investigate, and that's all. Okay, so here's the thing. If it was so serious, and it was such a huge allegation, Mr. Comey, then why didn't you provide the president a defensive briefing? It was your job as FBI director during the transition period, or were you instructed by Barack Hussein Obama not to say a word? If it was his advisor that was talking supposedly to Russians, and it was such a big deal, and it was so serious, then why did you not provide a defensive briefing to the president? Because if it is that serious, and it is a matter of national security, why would you not provide a defensive briefing? This is the t- These are the questions people should confront Comey with. Okay, I understand. This is a really serious issue. Okay. And you opened up an investigation. Okay. And it's not spying when you activate other people to do the surveillance for you and it's not spying when you're planting assets in order to create or manufacture the environment of some information being portrayed as such okay let's pretend you're right then why did you not provide a defensive briefing to the trump administration this is the bottom line if it is such a big deal if it was such a big deal Why did you not provide a defensive briefing? I can't repeat it more often enough. You know, I really wish that when he goes to court, that it's open. Because if it is, I'm going to make sure I can fly there and be there in the audience. Maybe with a press pass. Because, you know, the bottom line is, I want someone to ask that question. Why did you not provide a defensive briefing if it was such a big deal? He didn't provide one means it wasn't a big deal. And if he didn't provide one and it was a big deal, then what? He is responsible for putting the nation at risk. It is a national security risk. But on the other hand, if Barack Hussein Obama said, don't tell, if Clapper said, we won't tell, if they all colluded together and said, we're not going to tell, that's actually treason. But listen to what else he has to say. That's all we did. So the debate is a semantic one. The FBI was investigating into the Trump campaign, but you're saying they had cause to, and you just wouldn't use the word spot. Of course. And just people just ought to look at the predication for the opening of that investigation. We should have been fired if we didn't investigate this. But you have tens of thousands of FBI agents on the front lines every day doing work to protect America, to keep this country safe. And when the attorney general undermines the integrity of those agents by suggesting they're involved in spying against a president. What does that do to the reputation? Yeah, it's deeply concerning because ordinary folks will accept what the president says, what the attorney general says, and that hurts our ability to be trusted as FBI agents in courtrooms and at doorways. So it's a very bad thing. You know, we were talking about the op-ed that you wrote yes. just, just a couple weeks ago, and I encourage you to go back and read it. Yeah, because you you essentially go through. You say, "How could Mr. Barr, a bright and accomplished lawyer, start saying these things?" You talk about Rod Rosenstein, and then you say, "What happened to these people?" And they said, "More often, proximity to an amoral leader reveals something depressing. Mr. Trump eats your soul in small bites." And I'd like to add to that. It starts with your sitting silent while he lies, both in public and private, making you complicit by your silence in meetings with him. Uh Oh, wait, making you complicit with your silence. You know why we're having a huge hire wave at the FBI? Because how many rank and file agents sat there complicit and silent while this perversion and this usurpation and this coup was going on in our nation? 
All of them, down to the janitor, must be fired. I've been saying, and we need to gut him. And that's exactly what's been happening. All rank and file that sat there and let them do this, that knew that this was going on, canned, stripped of any benefits, everything, because it's unacceptable. Now, to sit there and say that the president of the United States eats your soul because he's corrupt or he's damaged or whatever while you're with him by proximity is disgusting. There are people that will sit there and say, I hate Donald Trump. I don't like Donald Trump. But they'll also turn around and say, he's freaking awesome. He's a great negotiator. He gets things done. When the times are tough, he comes up for it. And there is not one person that has worked for him, aside from anyone disgruntled, like maybe, I don't know, Cohen that got busted, um, that would speak against that. I've met the man so many times in my life and none of those times, I can tell you none of those times, you know, when he wasn't president, did he ever give me the impression that he is not a good person. And I'm the type of person that within five seconds, I've already made a determination of what kind of person you are from the way you look, stand, what you're wearing, every crease on your face, wrinkle on your clothes, dog hair, pet hair. I know everything there is to know about you within split seconds of seeing you. And that's just a thing I can do. And one thing President Trump can do is when he sees you, he knows exactly where your weakness is. It's just a thing some people can do by putting in together. It's a process in your brain that just puts one and one together really quick. For me, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a more superficial snapshot of who you are. He gets a superficial snapshot of what type of person you are. I get who you are. Like, what kind of line of work do you do? How educated are you? Uh, Are you married? Do you have pets? Uh, You know, do you, um, you know, watch page six entertainment tonight? Or are you into politics? Do you like science? Do you, are you godly? You know, he focuses on what kind of person are you in respects to your vulnerabilities. He can smell that. And I, and I know that because when I sat down 9-11, proximal with the president, with a coffee cup, he immediately said, hey, you look great. And I was thinking, how did he know that I felt horrible about the way I looked? It's like he knew. Like this superpower he has. Yeah, yeah, you look great today. And I was thinking, damn, I needed to hear that because I didn't feel confident. Didn't like the way the, the darn uniform they gave me to wear fit. The belt was weird and I had to wear that outfit because they picked it out for me. So, you know, he made me feel good. And he knew exactly where I was vulnerable that day. So after the break, we're going to continue a little bit with Comey and then talk about Trump's tax returns and how the New York Times seemed to be actually making the case as to why President Trump is the right guy to be president based on their article. Hey, maybe they're campaigning for Trump and they just don't know it yet. I'll see you all in a few. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, 
foreign and domestic. Unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So in this second hour, I just want to kind of like play a clip of Fox analyzing what Comey's doing, give you a heads up on what's coming out. And during the break, I check my messages and on my secure messaging app, I got information that told me that Comey's grand jury was actually held in Iowa and it was a sealed case in Iowa being transferred to the Eastern District of Virginia. So on that note, I'd like to... um, play this short clip for you morning's four minutes okay within okay. the last hour james comey was on cbs he was asked this question watch here the attorney general says he believes spying occurred in looking after the president's uh, then campaign what do you think about that yeah i have no idea what he's talking about the fbi doesn't spy the fbi investigates we investigated a very serious allegation that Americans might be hooked up with the Russian effort to attack our democracy. The Republicans need to breathe into a paper bag. Okay. Um, <clears throat> not sure what you brought to work today. What do you think of that response? There? I think it's clear to most Americans that uh, Mr. Comey is, is not and never was a law enforcement professional. Um, he's just a hack politician. It doesn't give me any joy to say that. I think he's worried, uh, and he should be, that Mr. Barr and the Inspector General are going to look further into the genesis of the investigation of the Trump campaign and the investigation of the Clinton campaign, and I think they're going to find that all roads lead to Mr. Comey. Wow. Um, Why he did what he did, I don't know, but it is breathtaking. to the extent that he has hurt the FBI, which is the premier law enforcement agency in all of human history, in which we need to work hard uh, toward getting their, their reputation back, thanks to Mr. Comey's tarnishing of that agency. I don't know if you saw the Wall Street Journal this morning. Here's their front page story, and the headline reads like this. Watchdog probes FBI reliance on dossier in surveillance of Trump aid. The investigation apparently underway wants to know why you relied on a dossier that was paid for by the DNC. Doesn't that go back to James Comey yet again? I I think all roads lead back to Mr. Comey. Uh, Mr. Comey is, he's not the only one up here in Washington, but he's part of the Washington insider political elite. They think they're smarter than the American people. They think they're more virtuous than the American people. They didn't think the American people in 2016 were smart enough to pick a president. So Mr. Comey and others tried to put their thumbs on the scale. Um, and, and, and he's hurt a lot of people, and he's hurt a lot of important institutions to our system of government in the process. And I think Mr. Comey is lashing out now because he knows what's coming. Mm. Mitch McConnell said the case is closed. He delivered a stinging speech on our program yesterday. Senator Schumer followed up by saying this on the floor of the Senate. Our leader says, let's move on. It's sort of like Richard Nixon saying, let's move on at the height of the investigation of his wrongdoing. Of course, he wants to move on. He wants to cover up. He wants to silence. 
on one of the most serious issues we face. So then there you have the back and forth. And in an hour, we see the hearing. What gives today in this contempt hearing with Bill Barr, do you think, Senator? Well, the, the theory of uh, Senator Schumer's case seems to be that somebody is covering up a crime that was never committed. Th this one's not hard to figure out. Many of my Democratic friends are not happy unless they're unhappy. They don't like the results of the Mueller investigation. They thought that Mr. Mueller was going to indict the president. The Mueller report comes down and it recommends no indictments of the president. The Mueller report is all of a sudden a, uh, an impurity in their punch bowl, um, mm -hmm. a hair on their biscuit. So they can't, and they can't get mad at Mr. Mueller and criticize him because they've, they have, have worshiped him for two years. So they've got to turn to, on Bill Barr. And what they're doing to Bill Barr is ludicrous. Um, they've accused the man of everything. Um, well, he, he seems to be a clear target right now. So. Oh, he's clearly yeah. a target. And, uh, and, and they're asking Barr to go to jail. They're asking, they're telling him, release the grand jury information to us. They know he can't. It's a violation of federal law. They want him to do it, and probably if he did do it, then they'd say, okay, you violated federal law, you ought to be prosecuted. Well, this it, is it, all it's... about deflecting from the results of the Mueller investigation. That hearing... Okay, so as you understand, uh, Comey sat there and said it wasn't spying, which we all know is BS. That was total spying. And that's layman term of saying it, but more broader because it wasn't proper surveillance. But I have to tell you something. There is something going on in the courts. There has been a grand jury requested and um, being put together. Um, well, there's a memorandum of opinion on it which is quite alarming, and I'm just letting you know because during the break I'm going to skim through it because I just got it and um, talk about it. But there is a full-on fledged attack on the nation, and that includes the president. And people need to understand that this is highly irregular but also very evident. Uh, yesterday, the New York Times published an article, as you know, uh, talking about how, uh, you know, President Trump uh, failed. He, you know, lost all this money. I want to hear, I want you, in his own words, to hear what President Trump said about that time where he was losing money. Um, let me play this little clip for you. It's 30 seconds. My name's Donald Trump, and I'm the largest real estate developer in New York. I own buildings all over the place, model agencies, the Miss Universe pageant, jet liners, golf courses, casinos and private resorts like Mar-a-Lago, one of the most spectacular states anywhere in the world. But it wasn't always so easy. About 13 years ago, I was seriously in trouble. I was billions of dollars in debt. But I fought back, and I won. Big league. What? You mean he owned it? You mean he said, yes, I had made bad choices. Yes, the market was bad too. I had problems, but I bounced back. And you guys, I think I've played this before for you, but I'm going to play it again. This is how he bounced back. And this person who's speaking doesn't like President Trump, and she even makes it known. But listen to what she said at the ignition conference. for a moment. Conference. You knew Donald Trump way back in his New York real estate days. What a charmer. And 
you know, despite this is Barbara Cochran. You know, whatever you say about him, even you say he's a great salesman. What what is his sales technique? Why is he so great? He is a phenomenal salesman. He's not a great salesman. He's probably the best salesman I've ever been in the company of. And I spent a lot of time with Donald because he's five years older than me, I think four years, and he was raising his company right at parallel with me raising mine. And so I did a lot of work with Donald. And I can tell you, he is the best salesman I've ever met in my life. I watched him walk into a situation, for example, selling the Plaza Hotel to the Chinese out of Hong Kong. Hong Kong, it was in Taiwan, group of, of Asians, wealthiest families in Hong Kong. And they were there because they were interested in the Plaza Hotel. And I was a broker, or my brokers, were, we were all at the table, and we were, like, really hungry to make this deal. And I watched him totally not pitch the Plaza Hotel, bury it, and talk about the land masses on the Hudson River and the buildings that would be there. They were not the least bit interested. They just wanted to buy the Plaza Hotel. Like a customer, I want to buy it, and Donald was near bankruptcy, really needed the money to bail out. And I watched him. I thought he was so off. He wasn't. They bought the land and built all those towers on the West River, as we know it today, you know, all those Trump towers along the river. That was the deal. Before she continues, I just wanted you, I wanted to break that down. So there was a room of really rich people, and Barbara was one of the brokers. They were like the middlemen to make money off of the sale that came just to buy the Plaza Hotel. And he was supposed to be pitching the Plaza Hotel. And instead, he didn't talk about the Plaza Hotel at all. None of them wanted anything else. They all came for the Plaza Hotel. And he was like, no, you don't want the Plaza Hotel. You want the whole west side. And we're going to build huge buildings, Trump buildings, your buildings. We're just going to make it massive. Everyone's going to want to be there. And guess what? They did. And like she said, he was facing bankruptcy then. You know, what the New York Times were talking about. Just so you understand how devastating it is, but just so you understand what a great negotiator he is. Take a listen to the end of this. How did he do that? I'll tell you what his masterful mind does. He is a genius at picking out the vulnerability of someone's personality. He can smell it, sense it, and trust it. Okay? So, for example, if you were to walk into a business meeting with Donald and you're saying whatever you're saying, I've seen it time and time again, he could see what your weakness is <laughs> and not physically reach over and put his finger on it, but he just could see what your weakness is and play into it. Not the nicest thing in the world, but it's a certain gift I've never seen anyone else. So, yeah, it's kind of like the same thing, like I said. You know, he gave me a compliment, which wasn't even part of the conversation. He just said it. It's kind of like he sensed that I was uncomfortable. Probably because I had a wedgie. Probably because the belt was itching and I was fidgeting with it. But those subtle nuances and me kind of trying to, I wasn't, I didn't have my shoulders back. You know, he could see that I wasn't confident in the clothes that I was wearing because they were very specific and I hated them. And, you know, uh he just said it. You look great today. You look good. And I was thinking, well, he didn't see me yesterday. <laughs> you know, so, but it was just that on the fly comment where that substantiates what she says. He saw that I was confident in everything. Like it was only small talk. He was just there. It wasn't like I had a meeting with him. He was just there and sat next to someone in a, in a funny uniform, you know, grabbing her coffee on one of the worst days of American history. And, you know, he was able to make me feel at ease, uh, even though discussion was something else at, at, at that time. So 
I, I just want to say what the New York Times did was they were trying to amplify old news that he was in trouble, that everybody knew. But what does it show us? It shows us, one, he was genius because he was in that tax haven. You know, when you're losing a lot of money as a business, you can write off a lot. You can actually get money back sometimes. And he was so in the red, he said it himself. He says, I was billions and billions of dollars in debt. He was. He made bad choices. The casinos ate him up. You know, uh, the way uh, Congress and the Senate were passing laws in regards to gambling was hurting him. He uh, went in directions for investments that didn't work out. But that's okay because I've said it before. Your failures are your badges. If you wear them with pride, uh, you've learned from that error. And what did he do? Just as he's in the red, billions of dollars, he comes up on top. I mean, what better man to be the CEO of the company, United States of America? We have $21 trillion in debt. He can sell what we have to offer to other nations better than anyone. Even Barbara says so. He's just got a talent. Never seen anyone do it before. She's a shark, right? She's on Shark Tank. You've seen her. And that's what we need. I mean, that article for me was like, and this is why we need Donald Trump, because he still had jets then. He was still jet setting. He was still doing his pageants. He was still, you know, living in, and peeing and, and, and pooping on a golden toilet. He had everything, even though he was in the red and he turned that around. That is exactly what we need in the United States of America. We don't need someone that's going to educate us and tell us what we need to focus on because they know better, yet they've never struggled like Biden. You know, Hillary Clinton would have been better. Really? She was broke when she came out of the White House. So broke, she stole the White House China. And then on top of that, sold her seat as Secretary of State to the highest bidder and made tons of money. Sold our uranium and made $145 million. Goes out and and people literally buy her position as Senator, as Secretary. They pay her to do favors. That's not who should be running our country. A person that has fallen, wiped their knees and gotten back up and created and built and promoted and pushed and and thrived is what we need. We need someone that's a warrior. You're not going to send a soy boy with tight jeans and emo hair to a war zone. You're going to send a Marine. Well, President Trump is the Marine of economics for us, for business. And the problem that we have is infrastructure and business. We've got a builder with great business acumen that knows how to close deals. And this is exactly what he's doing. And this is why, even though they have been undermining our president and speaking with the Chinese, they have been telling him, don't worry, he won't get elected for 2020. We got it covered. We got HR1 in the mix. We're going to fix the elections. We're censoring people left and right. Don't worry about it. And we are going to drag this Russia collusion as far as we can. Be patient with us, China. But China realizes, nope, not going to happen. And like I said yesterday, they're going to be here on Thursday and we're going to be talking. Because this is not going to pass. See, China understands that whatever smoke Hussein, Biden, Comey, CNN are blowing up their butts has no merit because these people hack everything. They know exactly if there's 100 Americans in the United States, they know 99 of them really represent the support for President Trump. They know we are the majority. They know that if he is not elected, something happens to the president, there is going to be a bloody civil war. 
And the only people that don't seem to understand that are the Democrats because they're really fighting tooth and nail. And, you know, I had a friend of mine and we had a discussion the other day and he thinks that in 2020, President Trump will win. And, you know, these crazy rainbow colored hair, you know, with (laughs) face expanders and (laughs) implants uh, with degrees in gender studies that don't wash and have armpit hair that wave dildos for a living and work as baristas because they can't get a job because they really have no skills other than making coffee, will actually come out and provoke a civil war, which will be squashed really quick. We'll have one, two, three incidents of people, and they will all die because the people that they are fighting are the people that fight for the Second Amendment. They're people that have the patience. See, people like you and I have a barrage of guns in our house, but we don't take them out blazing. Could you imagine if an Antifa member had one? Gosh darn it, they'd be out shooting people saying, I don't care, feelings over facts. This is why they don't own guns. This is why they're against guns, because they can't even trust themselves with guns. So President Trump is the ultimate man for the job. And you know what? Those are going to be some really big shoes to fill. I'm really hoping that instead of having elections for 2024, we can push it out to 2026 because they owe us two years, thanks to Mueller. And that way we can get someone else in that can fill those shoes. Someone else that is like President Trump, that's an average Joe. We don't need a politician. We don't need someone that was a senator or representative. We need someone like you and I that'll go in there and say, dumb it down for me. I just want to know what's good. Obviously, with a good panel of advisors, obviously to have at least one niche area, like our president, understands economics, understands trade deals. So he's got that niche. Maybe we can get someone that's great, I don't know, on foreign relations. And then everything else will be advised of and they will draw from that experience. This is what we need as president. We don't need clowns that sit there and, uh, you know, pretend they're legislators. They're not even doing their job. None of them are doing their job. They're sitting there taking a paycheck, doing nothing for the nation. They're not doing their job, and yet they're telling us who to put as president. They're telling, Comey told us that we need to vote someone in. Who are we going to vote? Kamala Harris, who slept her way to the top, covered for her nephew, Jesse Smollett, who orchestrated a hoax so that she can push her anti-lynching bill? That's who we're going to vote for? Or fake a hauntess that got her slot because she lied about being Native American? Really? Or Cory Booker. Come on. What does this guy have? His mouth shape looks like he does a lot of sucking on lollipops. This guy is a clown. He has no message. And all he's saying is, yo, we're going to raise taxes. Spartacus. Whatever. Then we've got, you know, Inslee. What an idiot. Like his campaign is so stupid. I, I, I put out an article that was not a good light for him. And they, you know, said, hey, vote for me. Then we have Yang, the sneakiest Chinese guy I've ever seen, you know, pandering to people that are poor, pandering to people that don't want to be involved in politics, that don't want the responsibility of running their own country, people that like to be subjects, offering them free money. Yeah, it's free money. No, it's not. It's not free money. Then we have Bernie Sanders, you know, a communist that loved gulags and bread lines and loved the Soviet Union, would love to bring it to the United States. I mean, come on. Do we even have it in Biden? Come on. We can't get that pervert. That pervert that's colluding with China right now. We can't have him. Nope. Obama wouldn't even endorse him when he wanted to run for president just now in 2016 because Hillary had to be. It was her turn, right? 
So what? Are we going to get a Michael, Michelle, Michael slash Michelle ticket with Hillary? Seriously? I'd love to see that. Totally love to see because there's no way they would win. You don't go high when they go low. You go gutter because you are the gutter. But, you know, she can't do anything because, you know, her husband's going to be impeached. But, you know, that never stops anyone because Hillary's husband was impeached and she ran like my husband when he was president, an impeached president. He was president impeached, impeached, impeached because he raped an aide, he raped. I don't care what people say that that was an affair. That was rape. No woman that has an affair has a dress and says, here's the evidence. There's sperm on my dress. Nobody does that. Because you're, if you're a mistress, you don't want it visible, especially if you're the president's mistress. Like, come on, seriously. So bottom line is, President Trump is winning. General Flynn will get the case dismissed. He will, he will withdraw his, his plea because there were no valid charges and everything will go back to how it should have been. Now, will he be the Secretary of Defense? Don't think so. I want him to run for Vice President. And that's the only person I would trust to slot in for Pence. Other than that, I'd hold on to that snake Pence because shifting gears mid, you know, uh, two term is iffy. And history has proven that every time you swap your vice president, you kind of mysteriously have issues with your life within the first, uh, you know, quarter of your second term. So on, on that, we're done. Okay. I want to shift gears now and start talking about what Pompeo is doing, um, and what president Trump has done. So, um, first of all, Let's remember that um, this morning, okay, President Trump literally tweeted out, the reason for China pullback and attempted renegotiation of the trade deal is the sincere hope, in capital, that they will be able to negotiate with Joe Biden or any one of the very weak Democrats and thereby continue to rip off the United States $500 billion a year for years to come. Guess what? That's not going to happen. China just informed us that Vice Premier So Lu, like I said yesterday, will be coming to the U.S. to make a deal. We'll see. But I'm very happy with over $100 billion a year in tariffs filling U.S. coffers. Great for the U.S., not good for China. So the fact that the president tweeted that out means that there is information that there is possible China collusion. Now, I talked about it last week. I've been saying it. I've been tweeting about it. Looks like they're pandering to China and something's coming up. Now, before, oh, before I talk about Pompeo, I wanted to say um, he did tweet out today. The president tweeted out today that um, indeed Christopher Steele tried very, very hard to get the fake dossier done and out before the election. Why? Well, you know, they wanted to come ahead of the emails that were supposedly hacked, you know, removed. And they knew that WikiLeaks had them, just like a lot of us knew about it, too. And so they wanted to trash the president. They wanted to put it out there, um, you know, to get some uh, tongues wagging. They wanted to cause him harm in the election. But in the end, Barack Hussein Obama decided, no, we'll just do a covert co counterintelligence investigation that we won't tell him on, but we'll tell everyone how important it is to national security, and this is why we're doing it. But we won't debrief you if you win, because there's no way you're going to win, because Hillary Clinton's going to win. 
because she has to win. Kind of like how Joe Biden's like, what? What did, what did they say? Like 30 points ahead of President Trump? Come on, man. They told us it was a 98% chance that Hillary Clinton was going to win. You really think that hair-sniffing pervert is going to win? There's no way. There's no way. The only person that's going to come out from all these candidates in the end is freaking gang. And you watch me be right on that. I don't care how much publicity they give to anyone. That snake will be coming out ahead. And he will be coming in. Because he is well-spoken, way more likable than all of them. I mean, I like looking at him, and I don't mind having a conversation with the guy. I watch him, and what he says is repulsive, but I'm okay with it. Because he's likable. He's relatable. He's young. And see, these crazy, tight-pant-wearing Birkenstock, no-wash-hair, no-shave-armpit people like younger people because they think, oh, yeah, we don't need, like, old white men to tell us what to do. We'll just get, like, a really young... Asian rich guy, because he'll give us money too. That is the narrative. Now, right after the break, we're going to talk about um, Pompeo, what's going on in the Middle East, um, you know, what Lavrov probably told him, and what is to come. So uh, on that note, keep in mind that everything is going to plan. Cross your fingers that we will see this indictment pop this evening I hope or maybe tomorrow morning because it's gonna be big I know that it came out of Iowa so now at least we know where the grand jury was held hello my fellow patriots my name is Michael Flynn jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it? the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978-Guaranteed-life-insurance-with-no-medical-exam-sounds-great-right-even-better-your-rates-will-never-increase-and-benefits-will-never-decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. 
1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Well, everyone, welcome to the Tory Says Show. This is the last half hour of our show. Over the break, I retweeted uh, a journalist friend of mine called Chris Berg. He put out an article that the New York Times published in 1995 where they called him the comeback king. Fast forward 20 years somewhat later, they're using those things that made him the comeback king as a weapon to smear him. Incredible, isn't it? Pretty incredible. Now, um, where were we? We were talking about Pompeo. So I wanted you guys to know that Pompeo was um, in Iraq meeting uh, with uh, officials there. uh, And it was totally unannounced, totally unexpected. And uh, people lost their mind, completely lost their mind. So he went and met with uh, Abdil Abdul Mahid and uh, the president, uh, Barham Salih, to discuss issues that were pressing. Now, this comes on the heels of his meeting with Lavrov. Now, there is a lot going on in the Middle East right now. We've got the USS Lincoln there, and I can confirm that B-52 bombers, obviously coming from Minot as well, have been deployed out to the Middle East, probably heading that way. So we have a lot of developments going on with Iran, Turkey, these sanctions, and it is moving along really quickly. So I guess uh, the meeting with um, Lavrov went well, uh, and it was fruitful, I guess, uh, because that is when he made his decision to leave. So... This is, this is a pretty, 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 pretty big deal. It's a big deal because this is, you know, first of all, to plan a visit like that, you must speak with people um, and get security ready and organize it. Here, this was organized on a complete whim, uh, no questions asked, and this is... I mean, a lot of people are saying that it was because there is an imminent threat by Iran, which is completely true. 
And now that it's been confirmed, I don't know why it's been confirmed now. We've always known that they fund Hamas. Um, you know, they are discussing what is going on with Iran. And keep in mind, Turkey is standing firm with Iran. So this will be very, very interesting. So there's a lot of uh, security concerns that are coming from how the Iranians um, are acting, how they're responding. Uh, you know, the sanctions have been ramped up, of course. Uh, we already designated the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps as a terrorist group. And uh, basically, Pompeo, when he was asked by reporters, you know, uh, you know, about his meeting with the prime minister, uh, Adel Abdul Mahdi. Uh, he said, well, we talked to, uh, talked to them about the importance of Iraq ensuring that it is able and adequately um, able to protect Americans in their country. So they're saying, we have Americans in Iraq. Can you protect them? If you can't, let us know. What can we do to reinforce or should we make them leave that was the whole conversation because we have interest in there we have troops there and we also have contractors now um uh prime minister Mahdi uh always says always says in public and it shows that he's actually sincere about it that the u.s is is very important to iraq's success especially now after uh you know a terrible period they had after an Obama regime, okay? Uh, it was a, a huge issue for them. So now Iraq is able to have like this really good, balanced, healthy relationship with the United States, but they're also seeking to ensure that they have good ties with their surrounding neighbors. I mean, they border with Iran. So they're in a difficult place. They have the United States that is helping them rebuild their infrastructure. And obviously, we still have military presence there. And we also have contractors helping them um, excavate oil and, um, you know, just in general doing business to re-inject the economy there. So it's really hard for them um, because Iraq is trying to maintain relationships with their uh, regional neighbors, I guess. Uh, but it's all about Iraqis' interests first. And that is what the president of Iraq said. It's Iraq first. And that was pretty interesting that they said Iraq first. I, I when I when I heard it, said, whoa, that's, that's, that's odd. I heard it on a, a, you know, Iraqi TV station. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So the purpose of the meeting, according to Pompeo, was that there's an increased uh, threat uh, that that has been observed by the U.S. and they and the U.S. doesn't want anybody interfering in the uh, in Iraq, basically, or attacking them because they're bordering nations and they're working with the United States. So Iran may plan an attack on Iraq to you know attack Americans and American interests. Right. Because you're not rebuilding infrastructure for free. Obviously, you're investing. It's kind of like the Chinese. They helped Greece get out of a pickle, but they bought their port in the in the long run. So they didn't do it for free. Right. Just like we're not doing it for free. If we're building oil rigs for you, we're obviously getting a portion of the oil they're extracting. So it's always business. Now, uh, there are attacks that are imminent from Iran, and obviously they will have the full support of Turkey. So you've got Iran and Turkey positioned on the map, uh, you know, obviously they're bordering, but they're in really good position to cause some really severe damage. 
Okay. And so, uh, Pompeo going down there is pretty much to strategize for national security. Um, and that is a priority for President Trump, that America first, our interests are first. And so Pompeo was actually asked by press there. Uh, I forget how he formulated the question, but he asked them about the USS Lincoln um, going into the region. And basically, Pompeo kind of reinforced that it's to defend us, uh, defend our interests uh, from Iranian threats, and to ensure that, you know, we had ready-made forces. Now, if the USS Lincoln is out there and we've got bombers flying out today, it's it's about to go down. And Turkey's going to be involved. It's going to be a big shindig, I think, if Turkey doesn't sit down. Because Turkey's like one of those disobedient kids that's like, no make me, you know, they need to sit down. So, um, Pompeo said the message that we've sent to Iranians, I hope puts us in a position where we can deter the Iranians and make them think twice before attacking American interests. And so the intelligence that he received was very specific and that attacks were imminent. So I'm thinking, you know, obviously everybody hates Russia, Russia's the enemy, but I'm thinking Lavrov and him really got together and he said, listen, we've been hearing in Syria because remember, Russia stands by Syria and that's where Russia sees eye to eye with Iran is Assad. Now, Russia sees eye to eye with Assad because that's where they have a Russian military base. Okay, that's the only base they have anywhere in the world right there. So the deal is, is that they will defend Syria if they come at them because they have a base. It's kind of like we have an Air Force base in Germany. So if someone attacks Germany, we're going to fuck. We're going to defend. Right. We're going to fly out. We're going to fight for Germany because we're there. We have our air bases there. Same thing goes for Russia. There's no difference. They have a base. In Syria, the only offshore base that gives them access to the Mediterranean direct. So there is no way that they would sit down. But just because Iran and Russia see eye to eye in supporting Syria doesn't mean that Iran isn't using ISIS, Hamas, Hezbollah to attack American interests. And American interests are what? Ensuring that Syria does not fall. That is our interest. We are not interested in Syria being annihilated like Libya We are not interested in annihilating Syria like we did Iraq. We are interested in keeping the peace and getting out of there because it's none of our business. But on the other hand, Iran is moving in hard. And Iran is going to move in harder because Russia is fighting back and assisting the U.S. in annihilating ISIS. So basically, the United States, when when we met with Iraq yesterday, it was pretty much to um, gather up and discuss independent militias that are influenced by Iranian dollars or Iranian ideologies um, and taking control of them because they can actually destabilize Iraq the way it is now. Now, uh, today, he made it uh, to uh, England And he's going to be talking with Theresa May and other people. This will probably be Brexit-centered. It'll probably be Assange-centered. There's a lot to talk about, so I'm going to be looking out for news on that. Um, But it's one thing 
that you know Pompeo going down there was not just to discuss the imminent threats, not just to tell him, here's the intel we got. You need to look at these militias. They're in Iraq. They're up here. They're there. You need to fix this. He also discussed with them how they can um, – about their infrastructure needs, you know, energy needs, um, you know, and how they're performing in, a, in their oil and gas trades and energy in general. And so, you know, there's projects that are pending approval and, um, you know, he's going to look into pushing it forward. I mean, at the end of the day, Prime Minister Mahdi was a very, very pleased um, with uh, Iraq's efforts to attract investors. So, you know, there's an upcoming deal right now. ExxonMobil is going to be going down there to, you know, help uh, pump oil and obviously get something out of it, of course. And so there that's a $53 billion, 30-year energy contract with ExxonMobil. That means for 30 years, ExxonMobil may have access to natural gas or crude oil in Iraq in exchange for $53 billion. And it doesn't mean that they have all of it. They get partial. They get some royalties, you know, from the extraction, et cetera, for Iraq as a kickback. Um, so they get $53 billion up front, and then they get, like, you know, money as they go, depending on how much oil they, they drill. So this is a big deal because we're facilitating that companies come in and help um, their infrastructure and rebuild the business and give them cash investments. But on the other hand, you know, I'm all about none of your business. We don't need your free money. Maybe, you know, they could have been – given a loan or the tools to develop that, but they would have been slow, so I get it. So that's what happened in Iraq. Um, So Iran is really busy, but like I said, it's not Iran we have to worry about. It's Turkey. Because Iran is nothing without Turkey's back. And as long as Turkey is standing beside Iran, this is not going to go away. It is not going to go away. So it's very important that we um, take a good look at that. Now, um, President Trump just tweeted, our nation grieves with the unspeakable violence that took a precious young life and badly injured others in Colorado. God be with the families and thank you to the first responders for bravely intervening. We are in close contact with law enforcement. Mm. More of that. This is the stuff, you know, it was a deranged, never Trump or leftist. We know this now. But obviously, maybe the ADL will spin it just like they did for Nicholas Cruz, that they are indeed, um, say it, uh, <laughs> right extremists, like they said. Um, okay, so what I wanted to talk about is a case that is ongoing right now. And there is a memorandum of opinion. Uh, for a grand jury investigation, possibly into certain violations. So this has to go with banks. It has to do with banks, uh, Chinese banks specifically. And the government had three motions to compel compliance uh, with grand jury subpoenas issued to... um, at this case, it's called Bank One and Bank Two, and the administrative subpoena issued to Bank Three. The court, the grand jury court, granted that. Now, Bank One and Two are ordered, pursuant to the grand jury subpoena served by the government, to appear before the grand jury to provide testimony at the earliest date available to the grand jury. In the alternative, 
Bank one and bank two shall, if the parties agree, promptly complete, uh, promptly complete production of the subpoenaed records in lieu of appearing before a grand jury. Bank three is ordered to complete production of subpoenaed records um, at the time because this was sealed, right? This was sealed uh, by March 28th, 2019. Parties are ordered to submit by April 17, 2019, a joint report advising the court whether any portions of this memorandum of opinion may be unsealed. So this was just unsealed a couple days ago. Now, what is this about? Okay. And I will tell you what this is about because it's pretty huge. It's about money laundering. But more specifically, okay, it's giving money to countries that pose an extraordinary threat to the United States, um, uh, causing us to have to declare a national emergency or exercise presidential authorities. What does that mean? That's a pretty big deal. It means that there's economic embargoes against specific governments in armed conflict with the U.S. and the Chinese were funding them. So now we have to deduce who that is. Iran, North Korea at the time. You would say my money's on Iran because uh, lately we've been cracking down on banks that have been circumventing U.S. banking regulations to launder money for the Iranians. And specifically this case, reading it out, this memorandum of opinion, that's exactly what was being done because uh, Bank 3 actually has a U.S. account. So they were funneling money through one bank to go to another. So it was like the smaller bank. And so... Bank one and bank two are big government-sponsored Chinese banks. And then bank three was just having a U.S. dollar account within the United States. So it's really, really weird, but um, it seems like we're really cracking down on all this money laundering. You know what that means? We get to keep the money. (laughs) That's how you fill up your bank account, by stopping and taking back money that's not allowed. And specifically... um, in Oregon, just so you know, there was an, a filing issued at some point where um, the some perpetrator actually withdrew like $130,000 in traveler's checks and $21,000 in cashier's check um, from the Bank of Oregon and then flew to Saudi Arabia and cashed the checks in a Saudi bank that had United States correspondence accounts. So basically... That's a demonstrating case. So basically what they had was that they had people, Chinese people, use a bank in California. It's like a credit union where people would actually pull out large amounts of cash and then fly to China and then cash it in a Chinese bank that had U.S. accounts. So it was taken from the credit union and then put back. So that's basically how... Uh, the Iranians were funding, guess who? Terrorist groups. And they were doing it through Chinese banks, which is pretty concerning. And when President Trump says that China's a threat, they're a big threat. They are a big threat. And specifically, the judge goes to say that um, is it, uh, there was only a front company, the second bank, uh, uh, oh, Bank Three's argument you know, the little bank, the one that's in uh, the United States. I actually looked up their website. It's a little tiny. Oh, I'm, 
and it's sealed, but I already know who it is. <laughs> it's a credit union. Well, anyway, that, um, that bank, bank number three, says that they're not supposed to comply with the subpoena because it overreaches because it wants like signature cards, account ledgers, account statements, due diligence records, among many others, which relate to the account, the correspondent account. Um, and it goes over a key feature of the investigation, which is XYZ, which is just a front company. So basically the subpoena was broad and the bank, you know, obviously doing their due diligence and their right to says, listen, I'm not going to give you other stuff. You're asking about this account. I can give you the transactions, but I'm not going to give you like loan documents. They sign signature cards, pictures, videos, other linked accounts who may co-own and stuff like that. Cause that's just a violation of privacy. You can't, this is, this is a grand jury subpoena and they've refused it and they're right to because they're abiding by the law okay even though we want to know where this money is going that's fine but the bottom line is they were being used to clean money out this is a money laundering case it's pretty huge the memorandum was just done also want to draw your attention how the fbi is firing people so uh, apparently there was a linguist that worked for the FBI. You know, I always thought of working as a linguist for the FBI, but it's, a, um, you know, when I, well, I kind of did, but not like, you know, sit in an office and just do it for a while. But apparently, uh, I'll tell you why I didn't. Apparently you're kind of like used and abused as a contractor. So it's always best to go through third party vendors, which is exactly what I do. Um, but they had a linguist that was, uh, probably a contractor. He was 66 years old. Um, his name, you know, went, he went by Haji. Ironic. So he was a Haji and, um, he was a federal contractor. They stated out and he worked as a linguist and he was translating communications captured by court authorized surveillance of a suspect person a, so this guy name is Haji Raj. So this means there's probably a sealed indictment on whoever this FISA thing is. So it's a terrorism investigation. And apparently, um, Haji, intentionally misidentified his own voice that was captured when person a left a voice message on Haji's mobile phone. So when the FBI said, well, hold on a second, dude, that's your voice. He's like, no, you know, it's, it's some other guy. And he did it. He was giving misleading and false statements guys. These people they contract with, right. Are usually done from third party vendors or direct. You can't get a guy named Haji that, you know, is, uh, you know, a full fledged liberal or, you know, no offense or that subscribes to Sharia law to sit there and um, interpret or, you know, transcribe conversations for you and think they're honest. Obviously, you will have other people checking it and it has to be independent, etc. But when you're working a case like this, just so you know, it's got to be the same person. I've been on a case since uh 2000 wait it's 2019 now right so it's like since 2014 and you know i get back with that person and i'm looking over things you know maybe once every 3 months 2 months when new information comes around but it's always good for consistency to have the same interpreter slash translator. You need the same linguist because the linguist knows the story. The linguist can put it into context. When you throw it to someone else, it's kind of like, mm, I don't know, you know, because there's periods of times where there's active conversations or whatever. Why am I telling you this? Surveillance.
So there's a lot of surveillance going around. And we all know that the surveillance or spying, as we say, that happened on the Trump campaign was not something as this, where it's a terrorism investigation and you're looking, but it was a manufactured, organized, fake crime, fake collusion to overthrow a duly elected president. It was at first instance created in a way that they can fast track it to put it out in the media so that way they can destroy President Trump's character. Kind of like what the New York Times did yesterday where they published an article saying, we have his tax return. He's such a loser. He lost like a billion dollars. Yet, you know, 20 years ago they wrote, because he lost a billion dollars and now he's made a comeback, he's the comeback boy. You know, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. When this indictment from Comey is announced, the attacks are only going to get worse. You think Nadler's toddler crying and foaming at the mouth today was something? Now he's pretty much put a lock and key and it's sealed away forever. Anything related to Mueller now, it's done. They can't access it. When this Comey news comes out, the first thing they're going to do is that he's coming for people that are critical of him. Comey keeps saying that him being fired is obstruction of justice because Comey was so full of justice and so doing his job when he wasn't. He was actually in on it. He was colluding against the president, and it was his job to ensure that he gave him a defensive briefing, and he didn't. So the attacks will only get harder, faster, and more disgusting. And the more you see how deranged they are, the more you know we are super over the target. Now, the thing that I want you to keep in mind in the back of your head is don't put all your eggs in one basket. And the basket is called bar. Don't put them all in there. Keep your eyes peeled to what's coming up in the Middle East and Europe in the next few days. I would say the next week or so. But always take everything with a grain of salt. And just look at the president's Twitter feed. He tells you everything there is to know. Tomorrow, I'm hoping we're going to have an explosive show because I'm really hoping that tonight the indictment is announced. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, On that note, I want to wish everyone a great evening, a healthy evening of love, prosperity, happiness. It's May 8th. Wow, the month is almost halfway done, isn't it? I told you it was going to move fast. From all of us here at Red State, God bless. See you tomorrow. Same time, same place, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 on Red State Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in.